Welcome to People of Hope, a conversation on finding joy in all things with the pastoral staff of Ignatius House Jesuit Retreat Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Our topic today is finding joy in community. Many of us have felt a disconnect from community during this pandemic. We've perhaps rediscovered our desire for community, our inherent need for it. So let's start our conversation with two guests. First is Lauren Morton, a friend of Ignatius House and community holistic health advocate with a special interest in the empowerment of women and girls of color. She prayerfully lives by her mission statement of being a multi-comma woman where everything behind the comma brings joy. Lauren initiated Be at Peace, a program for black women that merges faith and femininity in a journey toward healing and wholeness. And we also have Father Brent Otto, a spiritual director, Jesuit priest, and former staff member at Ignatius House. He's now working on a PhD in the history of India at the University of California, where he also teaches undergraduates and assists in parish ministry and spiritual direction. And he is also my brother, if you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> um, Brent is gonna open with some initial thoughts on community, but I have first asked Lauren to open us in prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We come to you, Lord, in our longing desire in seeking you in community. Let us find joy, encounter one another, and see you and your belovedness in others as we build that community, that koinonia. We thank you, God, for this time and our many blessings that we, as we seek to build that community with one another. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I'm really delighted to be here today and to have this conversation with you, Lauren and uh, Andy. So um, in my church communities, the various ones I've been a part of, I've often heard an injunction about what is necessary to lead a spiritually grounded life. We must remember who we are and whose we are. And really, these are two parts knowledge of self and knowledge of the others to whom we belong, God and neighbor, they're basically two sides of the same coin. We know ourselves only in relation to who made us, to who loves us, to the people with whom we live. We can't say who we are without talking about the community we're a part of. And ultimately for me, and probably for all people of faith, I think the community is really convened by God, blessed, loved, and given a mission. Jesus says it like this, love one another as I have loved you. Our love that we experience from God can't be separated from the love we're called into in the community of people with which we live. And the first and most basic community that we find ourselves in is the family of our birth. It is where we first experience love and to know right from wrong. In, in family, we are challenged to show love 
and to learn how to let love prevail even when we fight with our siblings who are angry at our parents. And it's also usually where our hearts and minds are first tuned in to God. What is God like? What does God mean for my life? How could I have a relationship with God? When we get a bit older, our community expands to the kids in school, to our class, group of friends that we play with. Maybe we develop a sense of civic belonging um, to the town we live in or to the faith community that we worship in. We realize that they all give us something and we also owe something to them. We're drawn into a relationship. Uh, for myself, I remember in fourth grade, we learned about town government and all its functions, how we vote, and how in our society there's a balance between rights and responsibilities. So I got really interested in all this and formed a make-believe town. At home, I put on town meetings for family and friends. I created a post office, and with some help um, from my mother in graphic design, we published a newspaper for a year or two about the goings-on of this quasi-real community. So today's conversation isn't only about community, but about joy in community. So I'd like to reflect just a bit on how joy has been a part of my experience of community. I think first about a mentor of mine in college. He had us read many books on spirituality, on psychology, on social justice and mysticism. And one thing I remember vividly was a conversation in class on the marks of friendship. He said, the deepest kind of friendship is when people can be together without necessarily saying anything or doing anything, but just delight in being with one another. And that was kind of a novel thought for me as a sophomore in college. But in a way, I'd already been coming to know that it was true. Because in my spiritual life, I had discovered, I think for the first time, silence. The blessedness in simply being silent with God, having no agenda. Silence offers a fullness of the heart pretty, pretty often. We, we feel not alone in the silence, but accompanied. And it's similar, in a way, to our deepest friendships with others, that what is holy and joyful is being together. It's not primarily what we do or what we say. I think of the uh, transfiguration of Jesus, where he takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain to pray. And there, before their eyes, Jesus is transfigured, becoming dazzling white by some sort of divine light, which in that moment, Peter, James, and John perceive with amazing clarity, and they see him talking to Moses and Elijah. And then the voice of God comes from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. What joy, right, in that moment. And so Peter's response is, Lord, it's good to be here. And then he proposes that they basically stay there forever, that they build huts and remain there forever. And I think we can resonate with that call. Sometimes we have a moment with others shared that we just want to hold on to. 
For me, I recall a trip to Maine with friends, four very close friends in college. We enjoyed the beauty of nature together. We cooked, we talked, we laughed, we went on hikes, and we shared deeply from the heart. It was really a joy to be with them. I remember one night sitting on the beach, we had something of a transfiguration moment of our own. As our conversation turned to how utterly blessed we were to be friends. Just a couple years before, we had been strangers. But meanwhile, we got to know each other's stories, our strengths, our weaknesses, our struggles. Our lives had become intertwined. And so our little community was a real gift, a source of joy, a consolation. I remember at the end of that trip, as we drove home, I deliberately found myself driving slower so that our time together wouldn't come to an end so quickly. Now, in the transfiguration story, Jesus rebukes Peter for wanting to essentially stay in the clouds and cling to the joy of that moment. And he reminds Peter that this was all for a reason. It was in service of a mission. It wasn't euphoria for its own sake. For they had to go to Jerusalem and heartbreaking things would happen there. And when it did, Peter, James and John were carrying with them that holy memory of that pinnacle experience of God and community that they had shared. No one could take that away from them. It could be assurance, a rock, a refuge of the heart. Though fear obscured that memory at moments, as with Peter's three denials of Jesus, or how the disciples locked themselves away in fear, still, they could come back to that touchstone, and they did, and were ultimately faithful to who they were and whose they were. As for me and my friends from that trip to Maine, now, about 20 years later, we remain close friends. They've married, had children. I'm the godfather of two of the kids. One of them joined the Jesuits, like myself. Anyway, despite all the many changes of our lives, we are still a community, forged not entirely out of our own choice, but because for some reason, while still strangers, we found ourselves together in the same community of our college, our dorm, then a prayer group, and into friendship. That sense of being drawn into community has left us with great joy that has never faded, but endured. And I think that is divine work. That's grace. And we only cooperated with it. So joy in community is very real, very possible, and often happens, I think, less by our own efforts than by our cooperation with God, who gives us to each other as gift. So I'll conclude with this line that comes to mind from John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 11, which I think aptly states God's intention for us to find joy in community with others. Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Thank you, friend. You know, I was part of... Uh, some of that pretend town <laughs> growing up with you. Um, you know, I, I, one thing that came to mind um, was how St. Ignatius says that love consists in a mutual sharing of goods, right? There's an exchange that goes on, a mutuality 
uh, kind of like you talked about, you know, hikes with your friends and just exchange of love. Um, yeah, so thank you for that. What about you, um, Lauren? What's your experience at community? I, when I think of community, I think of it particularly as a, as a black woman. Um, I think of it in two aspects. Survival recognizes survival and joy recognizes joy. And so I think about very similarly about these four women. I'm always drawn to the four women in The Color Purple. And in her, in Alice Walker's novel, and it's something that I cling to because that novel, I think, is an embodiment of what community has felt to me and what I see when I recognize community. And she says in her, in the, in the color purple, that says one of her passages, I'm an expression of the divine, just like a peach is, just like a fish is. I have a right to be this way. I cannot apologize for that, nor can I change it, nor do I want to. We will never have to be other than who we are in order to be successful. We realize that we that we that we are as ourselves unlimited and our experience is valid. It is it is for the rest of the world to recognize this if they choose. And when I think about community and it's it's ironic um, and such a blessing that I'm doing this interview with you here and we're spending this time together. I am at the Ewe Fresh uh, farm oasis and so if you hear noise and people behind this is the embodiment of community this is the embodiment of people who have come together from various from various walks of life and our own journeys with our families and in and particularly in families and communities and communities of color we have come to this space and this space is designed to be that village to be that community that we can come and connect to the other piece is, um, for me, is that connection of be at peace. After losing my after losing my mother, my sisters and I thought very prayerfully about what does that look like? How do we continue her legacy forward? Her deep desire while she was living was that there was a space and a place for women, particularly for women of color, to know that they weren't carrying this on their, they weren't alone on their journey, that we all survival and joy. And that's where we meet. And for, particularly for women of color, it is our survival, how we survive is in that area of community. So I will talk about me and as the daughter of a single mom, that if she had to go to work, that the neighbors, there would be an aunt, a grandmother, who someone who would fill in, who would fill in co and cover for her and, you know, and, and take care of us. If there were one woman when she was getting divorced, um, called my mom and walked her through. And that's how I saw community. I've seen community built in my four friends as well as we continue to grow and support each other through our various challenges in, in life. And that survival and joy meets together for me, for other women. And this is what, this is what I have seen. And I truly believe that when we talk about, when I talk about joy and I talk about community, to me, they are one in the same. They are one in the same. Mm 
Yeah. Do you think, Lauren, that, um, that what you witness in your own commu- community of women, certainly women of color, um, the how, how do you see? Because I, I understand, like in in many other cultures, community, like like Brent said, we know ourselves within community. Yeah. Here in the U.S., we live in a very individualist culture. Mm-hmm where we see ourselves as maybe just an individual as part of a community, but we don't, I guess, quite identify with the community. Um, not sure where, what I'm trying to say there, but um, yeah. what have you kind of witnessed in that regard? Um, do you think that plays into the experience of African-American women specifically? Yeah, I think, um, and for me, I, I can only talk from my lived experience. So for me, there are two, there are two ways that I have seen it. Um, one, in that community building around service. I, when, I, um, when I went to college at, at Emory, I joined a sorority. I joined Alpha Kappa, Alpha Kappa Alpha, and it is one of the first sorority. It is the first sorority for black women. Now, when you talk about that as a sorority, as long as mi- with many other uh, predominantly African-American um, fraternities and sororities, there are many places that we were not allowed to go. So if you're in predominantly white institutions like Alpha Phi Alpha at Cornell University, we were not allowed to join and to be a part. And But we only had each other when we were in the schools. And so we built community around that. And then for us and for my sorority, it was around service, service to all mankind. And so that ability that you're getting like-minded women from different walks of life, in my particular chapter, we were from different walks of life, geographic, but we were all connected and built community around this one principle, service, service, service was what we meant, what was expected of you and is carried on our journey. I also talk about now the 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 beauty shop that for many people uh, who may or may not know in in particularly in the African American community there've been number numerous pop culture movies that talked about the barber shop or the beauty shop in the black community um, and so that gives us a space where we can connect where I can carry survival. I find someone who can walk me through my survival and I can share with someone who can share my joy. And this is where we built because we may not have been allowed to go other places and be in other spaces to be our full selves. But I can walk into a beauty shop. I can walk into a sorority. I can walk into a church, whatever. And I can be my full self hair rollers, colored, you see, probably women in the barbershop know, and the beauty shop know what real people's color, natural hair color is before the dye hits it. But at the same time, you can see, and I can see and share with you that that time and that space around, again, that principle. Community for, for me and for what I've experienced, principles, ideal principles are where we build community and where we also around that principle of of where we where we bring other people in or how that community supports other people to say, I I may not you may not have the weight to bear to carry this, but my community is gonna support your community so that we can do this together. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, one thing I was hearing is that communities often form because although people may be different in lots of ways, there's something that brings them together, some mm -hmm. common experience or common cause. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I should say something about um, about being a being a Jesuit. So as a member of a religious community, I live with people that I don't choose to live with. <laughs> but um, but we, we see ourselves as a community. But what does that actually mean? And um, to pick up on Andy's point about the individualism, uh, my first thought when he said that is, I think this is an issue more with men than with women. Um, and there might be certain reasons for that. Uh, I think like I think of some of my friends how uh, who are women who they formed a lot of bonds with other women because they've got common um, uh, the common uh, cause of educating their kids and childcare and and um, finding playmates for their for their children or homeschooling consortiums, you know, where they can. Um, with men, it's I think it's much more at least culturally conditioned to go into kind of the individual space, and that carries over to an extent for those of us who are you know, deliberately part of a religious community, um, but our men, there's this individualism. And so I'll give an anecdote. The pandemic kept, uh, especially at the beginning, kept everybody at home, you know? And one of the Jesuit communities, a small community of Jesuits that, that live in the same building as me, um, they're, you know, they're faculty, they're doing this. Usually they are out and about and though they're a community, they don't actually spend a whole lot of time with one another. But with the pandemic, keeping everyone home and doing whatever work that they're doing online, I saw a beautiful transformation of uh, really deliberate care in praying together, in cooking for one another, in cleaning, just a hospitality and um, a warmth um, that uh, it was always there, you know, but but um, but some of those temp uh, draws to more individual work and expression, I think, because they were muted by the pandemic, this other side came out, um, real, real, real um, bonds among them, mm -hmm. and I kind of got invited into that, and I frequently joined them for dinner and for mass and things, and um, I just. Yeah, so sometimes we have to be deliberate about thinking like, what's the easiest path versus the harder path? And sometimes it's worth taking the harder path. And that, that might be to turn more toward community and away from individualism. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about uh, religious community because I'm in a community of with a spouse and two children. And, um, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, that was very new for a lot of couples, certainly, um, who maybe hadn't really been community in that fullest sense of the word. And um, I guess a, a new discovery of what community within a romantic relationship or a spousal relationship means, or even with, with children where you're with each other 24-7 in the same space, something that maybe, Brent, you perhaps experience a little bit more regularly. But, um, you know, I think can, can uncover the, the joys and the difficulties of community. So, so you know, I, I liked how, um, I think, Lauren, you 
talked about community as a rock to lean on. Um, where have you found your own struggles within community and, um, and how did you manage, manage them? Yeah, I think um, similar to you and Brent were sharing, this pandemic I think has really been a challenge um, because those ideas of community and, are, are different. Um, and I, I think right now it has been the the hardest, I will say from a personal perspective, has been because I am single, I do live alone. And so the connection where I've had community, that rock has been hard, been hard for me. And, and, and so reimagining, I think this time is kind of this invitation to reimagine what does community look like. And so for me, it is that, um, that reimagining of where it has been hard to say, I really don't want to talk on the phone to you. I do not want to go to a Zoom birthday party. I do not want to do this. But um, how I connect with my church community, how I connect with other women looks and feels different. So where I can and, and, and being okay with, um, I, I use the scenario of Goldilocks and the three bears, like, this bed is too hard. This this feels just right. And being okay and having enough grace with myself to say this feels right. This feels where I can I can push through this difficulty and and understanding how do I get fed at, from a community uh, from a communal perspective and how where do I need to support someone else who might need me to show up for the Zoom birthday party? Um, and how can I, even though I really don't want to, and I'm in my head kicking and screaming and like I really don't want to do this, but for someone else in my community, this means something to them. And so, how do I reimagine showing up, even though I may not really want to do it? Yeah. So I think that's for me. For me, that's been the very challenging point has <laughs> been the very challenging point in um in where i found community found the difficulty of community well you know uh, you're making me think about how um this the sense of transition for communities that were already maybe strong in some mm -hmm. in some ways so and then how how the circumstances of the last nine months or so have have um, challenged adaptation. Um, so I think of um, a church I help with um, in San Francisco um, has a prayer group, a particular prayer group that's been meeting. Well, I think it was founded in the 80s. And of course, people have come and gone and other people have passed away and new people have joined. There, there are some in that group that actually go back 30 odd years. Well, they had met on Monday nights, always. I, this was their ritual. They, they got together, they got to the church, they prayed, they prayed with one another. Their lives were very much connected. So when the lockdown began, <clears throat> they quite courageously said, well, our prayer won't be interrupted. So let us, let us get a Zoom account, let us figure this all out. And I, um, I joined them, I think, on the, yeah, the very first time they met on Zoom. They maybe missed a week or two, but then they got onto Zoom. Now, a couple of the members were over 90. They learned how to do this. They learned this new technology. 
And something like 30-odd people were there, 30 or 35 people were there praying on Zoom that first night. And, you know, so there's there's a formal prayer, the scripture, there's silence, and then there's like faith sharing. And that's their pattern. And the sharing was so deep. And the oldest member of the community commented at the end, he said, I have to say this, that I came into this Zoom in, uh, prayer encounter thinking this isn't good this isn't going to be that good and all that he said yet the sharing i've heard here is deeper or as deep as i can ever remember going back to 1986 or something he said so i think the holy spirit is really doing something and they have kept on and i joined them um, about half the time i can make it um and uh it's just beautiful to see that uh, that i think we have a lot stronger resilience to problems, to suffering, to change, to uh, adversity, when we're doing those things as a community. And they certainly had a community this program. And they, they have. I think it's it's helped a lot of them personally. You know, it's a fuel for the week. I too, I too have found um, people have been really creative in, in ways to hang on to community especially in our church communities when we're not able to really fully gather for liturgy together, for prayer together, um, creative ways of Zoom and um, book studies, face sharing groups, and so on. I found actually there's been more participation in these virtual events than I ever would have thought. Um, so I think there's some of this is going to be here to stay. Um, but yeah, as you said, Brent, I think it's a testimony, a testimony to the Holy Spirit. The community, indeed, is an expression of the divine, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree, and, and I'm, I'm, I laugh, Andy, when you said about faith sharing groups because in our parish, we've started this film, film sharing ministry. We all gathered around um, watching films from this podcast. And there were eight films that we did during the Easter season. Because, again, Easter, particularly for Catholics, is very traditional. Like, you do this, and it's like, whoa, this is disruption of our routine. What are we going to do? And and we gathered together. And the group, after Easter, they were like, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. Then we said, oh, we'll make it through the summer because by then this will be over. Summer was over, and they said, no, 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 we want to keep going. But from that group, to your, to both of your points, is that this group has connected. Um, we, sh we share social justice issues together, and we connect around someone around that. We connect um, around films and, and seeing that, but then also that connection of the spirit of how we pray for one another, carry one another, and share our share our collective joys and it's it's been i agree a very beautiful beautiful way um that we built that we have built community so i've really enjoyed that as well well thank you to the two of you and for this little trinity community of the, of the three of us uh, just just for a short period of time i do want to let folks know that if you're if you're curious about learning about Lauren's program, Be at Peace, which is growing, um, you can learn more at ignatiushouse.org slash be at peace, and that's B with two E's. Um, 
But we thank you for, uh, for joining us, uh, and we invite you to watch our past conversations on our Facebook page or listen to them on the People of Hope podcast. Our next conversation will be on November 19th, and we will talk about, about joy and gratitude, just in time for Thanksgiving. But in the meantime, visit us at IgnatiusHouse.org to learn about how you can join us on retreat. And please try our new online library of prayer experiences. Just visit enrichment.ignatiushouse.org. Thanks for listening. Learn more about Ignatius House by visiting us at ignatiushouse.org or following us on social media. And be sure to subscribe to this wherever you listen to podcasts. May the blessing of God be with you always.